Hey, you guys. So Andy and I are here for a very special edition of our podcast today. We have done 12 podcasts. I kind of can't even believe it. And it's so amazing. We are so grateful for these wonderful, wonderful people who have shared their time, their stories, their inspiration, their wisdom. All of the things with us has just been so meaningful to us. And I hope it has been meaningful to all of you. We've chosen to recap the first 12 because 12 is our number. We got, uh, let's see, we started dating on the 12th. We got engaged on the 12th. We got married on the 12th. My birthday's on the 12th. Andy's birthday's in the 12th month. I mean, we love 12. Oh, um, I'm sorry, I forgot. 12 is also Andy's baseball number. Oh, yes. Sorry, I totally missed out on that one, babe. Anyway, so 12 is just a number for us. It always has been and it always will be. And so we wanted to stop here at 12 and just do a recap of these beautiful people and all of the things that they have shared with us. So here we are. We've got Andy and Elizabeth in the house. What, what? And we are coming to you to talk about all of our people. So Andy, you want to get us started here? Where do you want to start? (laughs) Well, I think uh, let's start with number one, Mr. Eddie Skinner. Yeah, why not? Let's go for it. Yeah. So Eddie Skinner was our episode one. Uh, We featured him uh, and that that was featuring him talking about being fat. And that doesn't mean gaining weight. That (laughs) meant uh, being faithful, available, and teachable. And that really was like my biggest takeaway from that podcast uh, because I think that's something that we try to do, and we haven't ever really articulated it like that. But it is. It's being, I mean, obviously we we, we talk about our faith, you know, quite a bit. Um, and so it is, it's, it's, it's leaning on our faith. It's in, in times of, of good times, not so good times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are always uh, thankful for, for what we've been given. Uh, we're thankful for what we have. Um, and so uh, relying on our faith um and I mean, especially in the bad times, I think as well, uh, if you are not relying on your faith when things aren't going well, you really can lose your way. And we certainly have had some challenges along the way. Um, Just a think, couple. I think we've talked about them <laughs> in our podcast a little bit. <clears throat> and so being faithful, um, I think is, is, is a huge thing. And then you know, he talked about being available. And, I, and for me, what that meant is being available to your family, uh, being available, you know, me being available to you, uh, being available to your community, us being available to people like Eddie and all the people that we've had on our podcast and all of our listeners, uh, being available to people that we don't even know yet, um, and encouraging them to be available not to us, but other people as well. Uh, you never know where the opportunities are going to come from. Uh, and so being available, being, and I think also being available means being open-minded to ideas that maybe you haven't thought about yet, maybe ideas you don't even know about yet, or ideas that at one point you were like, Mm-mm, nope, I don't like that. And then, you know, at some point later, like, actually, yeah, I've changed my mind. And so it's always maybe being a little bit open-minded. Uh, so being faithful, being available, and then being teachable. Teachable for me I think kind of just is a building block on top of being faithful and available, meaning you don't know everything and you never will. And you need to continue to surround yourself 
with people like Eddie and the people that are on our podcast and the people that we try to surround ourselves with every single day, uh, people that can we can always learn something from. And whether it's something little, you know, something small, like, man, all right, cool, yeah, I'm going to do that, or something just groundbreaking. And we certainly have had that as well, whether it's books that we've read, people that we've, um, you know, people that we've met, people that we've talked with, uh, you know, just things, you know, w- w- there might be times where we're like, oh my gosh, that was just groundbreaking, mind-blowing, whatever. Um, it's it's being a, a, available to be teachable. It's being available to uh, always have the mindset that you don't know everything. And I would like to think we know quite a bit about real estate, but we certainly don't know everything. And so with our company, we still need to be teachable. We need to continue to surround ourselves with people that have been doing this for longer than us, have had more challenges than us, have had more successes than us, um, are more successful than us, uh, you know, have more money, whatever success is, whether it's more money, more properties, but just, you know, more happiness, more fulfilled, more, more fulfilled, whatever. Uh, so that was my biggest takeaway. I'm really happy that Eddie shared that with us. And there's a lot. There's a, there really is a lot. But I'm, I'm going to try and kind of keep this for me. I don't know what you're doing. I, we haven't really shared notes on this. So surprise, listeners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth might just go on a, you know, 40-minute rant here. Hopefully we'll try to, we'll, we'll try to keep this down. Um, but, yeah, that's, I'm going to try and keep this to, like, my one little thing that I, that I took away, my little highlight or whatever. And hopefully, hopefully our highlights are a little bit different than each other's. So what, so what was yours? What was your Eddie Skinner takeaway? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, Eddie is one of my favorite people and he really got raw with us, which I really appreciate. I'm very grateful for that. I'm grateful for him being willing to share uncomfortable stories. And the thing that stood out to me was actually his talk when he talked about his separation from the church and that split and the pain that it caused him and his family. And not only do I appreciate that he shared that with us just because most people don't share the, the dark times in their life and when things went really bad. So I'm, I'm grateful for him for showing us that side of him. But also he made mention that he had to choose ministry or marriage. And it's not so much that his wife like put a line in the sand, like you have to make this choice, but they were both so broken and so down about what was going on that they, they really had to make a tough decision in their life about what was coming next. And ultimately they chose each other and their future and to be, you know, separated from the turmoil that was, was occurring where, where they were. And I, I think that that's just such an important thing to remember in life that, you know, we all do go through these very uncomfortable times, some bigger than others, some are more life changing than others. But at the end of the day, you have to figure out where you stand and the decision that you have to make moving forward and go with that and know that on the other side of it, something great's going to come that come out of it all. And it's hard to see that. And it's hard to navigate through that. And it's very physically uncomfortable when you're dealing with that kind of pain and that kind of discomfort. But I just, I just really like, because I see Eddie on the other side of that. I know what his life is now and I appreciate his vulnerability. I appreciate his bravery and I appreciate that he saw that he needed to 
split off from where he was in order to have the life that he wants for his future and his family. And I just really loved that. So that was my that was my big takeaway from from Eddie. Yeah, that and that's actually a really good point. And it was something that now when you mentioned that, thinking back to when we were actually talking with him and I I guess I didn't ask him at the time. Uh, actually, I think I did maybe, you know, with his, was his faith tested during that time or whatever. But, you know, of course, we, we, we can't fully relate because we're, we're not, you know, we're not in the ministry. We didn't go to seminary, you know, whatever. Obviously, we, we are people of faith, but I think maybe it is a different level or just a different experience with people like Eddie, who, I mean, he was, he was devoted to the church. He was a pastor. He was, you know, in that, that, that was his, you know, that was his job. That was his life. And then to like do a career change, I think is actually really, really unique. It's funny how decisions impact your life so greatly and you don't even know it, which brings me to Philip, who was our second podcast guest. And one of the things that stood out to me about the things that he said was when he got out of college, he actually took the lowest paying job he was offered because of the skill set that he was going to learn from it. And, you know, talking about Eddie with being teachable, Philip really wanted to develop skills that would empower him for what his future was going to hold. And I think it is so brave and really kind of shocking that he made the decision to take the lowest paying job because of the skill set he was going to get. Not many kids graduating from college have that kind of mentality. And I think it's really incredible that that's how he saw it. And I think that's an important important thing that about Philip is that he's always worked on developing his skill set and and growing and learning and developing himself and the people around him and how that makes every organization that he's involved in so much better cuz Philip you know was in a corporate career and now he's got Beacon Business Solutions and and offering strategy and business development and marketing and sales to small business owners trying to make it. And I don't think that he would be able to successfully do that business if he had not first learned all of those things throughout his career. And I just really admire him that he was willing to take the lowest paying job to, to develop a set of skills that he wouldn't have otherwise gotten with some of these other jobs that he was offered. And I just really think that's incredible. Yeah. And I think that makes him very relatable because in the, my note here is that, um, you know, it is towards the end of his corporate career. He said that he became too inward focused. He was too focused on himself. He was too focused on, you know, the bottom line and things like that. And, you know, he ultimately was reorganized out and in a moment of reflection, he said that it, it, it was good that he was reorganized out because he had realized that he was too inward focused. And he had always been, you know, I guess for 15, 18, however many years it was, uh, he was always focused on, okay, what can I do for the people that are underneath me? What can I do for the people that I work with? And you know, I guess, you know, for the last year or so, I can't remember exactly the time frame that he mentioned, but yeah, he was very inward focused. And so it was kind of a wake up call. For him, and so I think that um, it was a time that he then what he's doing now with Beacon Business Solutions, he's not inward focused. He's very much a giver. 
he very much is focused on the people that he meets. Uh, first and foremost, like when if you ever have a chance to meet Philip, when you talk with him, you feel like the most important person in the, in the room because he's completely solely focused on you. I mean, like the Pope literally could walk in the door and Philip is talking with you. Like he's not going to take his eyes off you. He's not going to you know break his concentration from you. He's literally going to be looking at you like, hey, man, I'm completely interested in, in, in what you're doing and whatever. And so and so I think that was just like a, a brief moment, you know, for him. And he shared that, that he what became inward focused. And I really do think like, that's the type of person that he is. He's very much focused on how can I help people around me? He's very much, uh, focused on like small business community. I think I've heard you, you know, mention like, like you loved his passion for Mm -hmm. the small business community. Like just like he like lights up when he talks about it and how he can connect with people and how he loves that the small business community, uh, literally becomes a village, you know, around each other. Um, I think he, he mentioned someone, you know, they were, they were pregnant, uh, you know, it was a woman that, you know, was pregnant or just had, had a baby and like literally people were like, okay, we've got to do this for her. We've got to do this for her. We've got to do this for her. Not because she was a person in need because she couldn't afford it, but they were like, no, that's just what you do. And he was like, man, that's just amazing. That's awesome. Well, and you can see his passion for a small business community with what he does with Reveille, our early Friday morning group, our get up, our get up early group on Fridays, you know, he, the purpose of that group is for business owners, corporate employees, and people in transition. And I think it's really beautiful how he is so passionate about connecting those groups of people and making sure that everybody has a, like you said, a village around them of support and encouragement and opportunity and he just every single Friday morning, he is giving that to all the people that show up there. And to what you said, his passion for the small business community is on fire at Reveille. And it's really incredible to see and to be a part of. And I'm just so grateful for him and for that group and the people that come into that door and through those doors every single week. It's it's amazing. And so he really puts into practice his passion for small business, for growing people, for focusing on skill sets, for helping people in transition. I mean, all of these beautiful things that he does. And I just I just love that. And I love how the networking, how, how powerful that is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that, he had a really good podcast. And I, I will probably end up having him back uh, oh, because we, sure. have, we have so much more that, that he can share. Um, so yeah, we're, so look out for a, for a volume two for <laughs> Philip for sure. So piggybacking off the networking, I want to skip for a hot second to Stacy Harris, our fifth podcast guest. Stacy is episode number five, episode number five. Stacy is one of the most amazing people probably in the whole world. She is so kind and so happy and she encourages everybody and she always says that she wants all of her friends to play together and she really is just a master at connecting people at supporting people in their business and just helping them with the resources that they they need and she has a very powerful networking story and I truly networking saved her husband's life and and neither you nor I are going to do her story justice so if you haven't heard Stacy's power of networking story go back and listen to episode number five because it is totally moving and unbelievable but the people that she has built relationships with through networking saved her husband's life and 
that's just a testament to her and the value that she puts on the people that she meets every single day and every single person and how she works on those relationships and how much she cares about connecting people with others that they need to meet. And it's just really, it's just really incredible to watch. And I'm so grateful to be a part of it because she's such a huge reason as to why I was able to take my leap of faith and start Everson Cooper. And she just connected me with people that I needed to meet. And she was encouraging and she was positive and she could show me what the other side of teaching was going to look like. And I'm just forever grateful to that. But the power of networking and, and building relationships with those people is a huge thing for both Philip and Stacy. And I think it's very important to to take away. Yeah, yeah you totally stole mine. So thanks. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> but no, I can I can call uh, a little bit of an audible as as the dogs are barking. I don't know if you guys hear that. They got something to say, I guess. Uh, uh, but I did like. Uh, how Stacy she included a couple of her like tidbits or statistics. I think she had nine. What did she say? She had nine. Um, I guess rules of of uh, making a making, positive first yeah, impression. making a positive first impression. And she sh- and she shared two of them. And I I I couldn't agree more uh, because I think especially and of course you know we're I guess a little bit on the younger scale at, at time of recording. Uh, in a couple of years we won't be. Um, but uh, I think when when we're trying when you're trying to gain credibility in something, obviously uh, when we first started Everson Cooper, I mean we're we're trying to gain credibility, not fake credibility, but like, oh yeah, I've done you know dozens of deals. Uh, no, like literally, like, you know, you try to show up at a place and and seem like you know what you're what you're doing, and so you want to not put on this aura, but you want to prov- you want to project yourself in a professional manner. And so that's a lot of what she, she talks about and a lot of what she does as well. And she, she definitely puts herself in a perspective in, in a, in a professional way. I mean, she's always dressed well. She's, you know, put together, she's incredibly articulate. Um, and that's a lot about the, the company that she she has as well. Uh, Imp- Impressions by Stacy, I think, is is the name of it. Um, that she does, you know, some business with, and and she talked about in the podcast. But it, it was it was about like you you won't ever break a rule by being the best dressed person wherever you go. Uh, and you know, for, and for guys, you know, I mean, it's like you know, it's not going to hurt if you show up wearing a jacket, you know, a suit jacket or a blazer or, you know, wearing wingtips or something like that. And no one's going to be like, oh my God, who's this guy? You know? And so I really appreciate her sharing that. And then she did share some stories of the, the you know, the lady in the doctor's office and this lady kind of un, unknown at that time to the doctor's office. She kind of set the tone, the cultural tone of, of each day and and she didn't really think about what she you know what she looked like what she dressed like and it just kind of was um, an afterthought and then she started dressing differently and her attitude changed and Stacy said the attitude and the and the the vibe in that doctor's office changed and that, that can be a huge thing you know I mean you know as a guy you know I think it's kind of silly sometimes you know when when people look at guys like yeah when you when you when you dress well you you feel better and I certainly do I, you know, like when when I got my stuff together you know the, the the bed is made my shoes are tied I'm out the door on time I you know took a shower I feel good you know my 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 shirt looks good like I feel good 
you know, when it's been a cluster of a morning and, you know, I'm tripping over myself and Cooper's upset at me because, you know, I, we didn't do a full walk with him and I'm running late, whatever. Like, yeah, man, the day is the day is a little bit of a frazzle. And I think that also goes to what, you know, Stacey talks about of like putting yourself, trying to trying to always put yourself your, your best foot forward and an appearance just starts there obviously it's not always about appearance because once you start to get to know someone you know it's it's more more than that you got to be more than appearance but a lot of times especially when you're going to a job interview or something people will people will 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 look at you like "Mm, i don't think that person's gonna be cut off for this job you know and so they might already have this you know preconceived notion before you even sit down for the job interview and so uh, I really appreciate her sharing that, and actually, I'm curious what the other seven are. I don't know. The, I don't know. I don't know what the other seven are. You'll have to go to one of her talks. I know. I'm gonna have to give her some money. Yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm, pay her for this. Oh man, what's right. that about? <laughs> <laughs> Who you got next for us? Terry Weaver. Mm, Terry Weaver. Episode four. Terry Weaver. Uh, this guy, um, he's like an onion. The more we have gotten to know him, the more interesting he becomes. Uh, and I swear, I swear, he might be, he might be the young version of uh, the Dos Equis guy, the most interesting man in the world. He's got the beard, <laughs> you know, he's got like that square jawed look. So, you know, so Terry, if you're listening to this, you might be the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, he really is. Terry, uh, he shared some, some amazing stories with us. And, and so, so going back to, to what Stacy you know, her takeaway, one, one of the things that she mentioned about the, you know, uh, appearance and putting your best foot forward. Terry puts his best foot forward and he seems like the guy like, man, you must have just been born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You've got it together. You are incredibly articulate, so smart. You, you're very, very successful. No, quite the contrary. He shares some stories. Uh, I mean, he had like kind of a rough childhood growing up in San Bernardino, California. Um, not the greatest of places. Uh, you know, I think he was like, yeah, he grew up in a trailer park. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like he was exposed to people that really weren't the greatest of influences to to what he what to what his potential was. Um, you know, he shared that his his mom went to prison. Uh, he was, you know, kind of like quasi living with his grandparents, like messed around with some drugs, I think, at, you know, and like had a, kind of a checkered childhood. And, you know, ultimately, you know, he persisted. He joined the Navy, like really got his life on track and spent time. I mean, he, you know, ended up becoming a, um, I think like a youth minister, uh, you know, just, just recently before he went full time with Vell. And him sharing that story shows that like, the version of someone that you meet the time that you meet them isn't always what they are. And, and I think the, like the awesome thing about that is that people have untapped potential. And so the version that you meet them where they are, they might be a train wreck, but you don't know what they are, are capable of a year from now, 10 years from now, or just 10 minutes from now. And so that was really the cool thing meeting or learning uh, Terry's story. It's like, my gosh, like, yeah, you, you could have ended up being like a statistic, you know, you could have, you know, dropped out of high school, you know, spent time in prison and just kind of just redone that cycle. But he didn't because I, I think somewhere inside of him, whether it was grandparents, whether it was faith, what, you know, whoever, 
uh, he, he realized that he had potential and like, and he, he's one of those type of people now that I love that we are associated with him because he's one of those people that is always looking every single day to fulfill his potential. He's like, look, I know that I'm not finished. I've done everything that I can up until this day, but tomorrow's a new day and I have more to do. And so I think that was my big takeaway from, from the Terry Weaver uh, episode four. Uh, it was awesome. I think he's another one. We'll probably end up having another, another podcast with him. Cause like I said, he's an onion. The more layers that uh, we peel back, the more days, the more times we get to meet him. It, there's just more and more to it. No, absolutely. Terry is so wonderful. And again, one of those people that, I mean, all of our podcasts did this, but just shared some very vulnerable things about their life and where they've come from and really demonstrated that that you can do anything that you set your mind to. And if you surround yourself with the right people and you focus and you work hard, you're going to get to where you want to go. And so I love that Terry started the Vell Institute, Veterans, Entrepreneurs, and Leaders. It's his most recent mission to connect those three groups of people, veterans, entrepreneurs, and leaders, and not only connect them, but develop every single one of them and help them find their purpose and and give meaning to their life and their business. And Terry is just such a fearless leader in all of that. And And one of the things that he said to us is that the Bible is his favorite book and that Jesus is his like mentor, his leader. And I just really love the way he looks at it like that. And he, and that's how he approaches it. I've never heard anybody ever call Jesus their leader in the sense of what we're talking about as far as like a a mentor in life and in business. And I just think that that's such a unique outlook. And I love that. I love that he, shared those things with us and that that's how that's where he goes to reflect to grow to develop to get in tune with himself and with God and I just really appreciate him sharing all of those things with us so that's kind of my overall takeaway with Terry Weaver he's a wonderful person to be around if you ever get a chance to meet him please please do talk to him get to know him get to know Vel and all the things that he's doing with with that organization it's really incredible all right, I know that we've bounced around a little bit, but we don't want to overlook episode number three, Teresa DeFord. Somehow I was not on this podcast. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. It was what? girl power. Apparently so. All right. Well, so I, you know, you know, I feel like I shouldn't even give any thoughts on this podcast, just, just out of protest. Well, that's uh, not very nice. <laughs> no, no, no. I actually do have some thoughts. I, I just went back and, and listened because it actually was a little while since <clears throat> I've listened to uh, that podcast. But my really my biggest takeaway isn't something that Teresa actually said. It's just the way that she approached that whole podcast and like her demeanor. And of course I've of course we've met, you know, Teresa several times. She seems like she is the type of person that like you put something in front of her, she's like, all right, I'll do it. Let's do it. You know, like you could be like, hey Teresa, uh wake up, it's the middle of the night. We're gonna go climb Mount Everest. And she's like, all right, let's do it, man. Like, I, like, I it just like, that's her personality. And, uh, like, I love that. And th- when I was listening to the podcast, it, it really like, that's, that's kind of how she approached 
uh, any all all of the experiences she talked about. I mean, she moved around. I mean, she spent, she spent time in D.C. She's originally from Michigan. Spent time in San Francisco. Now she's here in Houston, and she just kind of talked about like matter of fact. She's like, yeah, I spent time in San Francisco. I was in D.C. Now I'm in Houston, and uh, you know, I worked for a law firm, and now I opened my own law firm. Yeah, it's cool. You know, she's like so matter of fact, like nonchalant about it that it seems that she. Yeah, she is the type of person who's like, oh, there's this challenge that you're going to put in front of me? I'll crush it. No problem. It's so amazing that you say that because when I think of Teresa, I know Teresa very well, and I am so grateful that she spent some time with us. And when I think back on her and the things that she shared with us on her podcast, I the word that comes to mind is brave. She's so brave in all the things that she's doing, all the moves that she's made. I mean... I moved from Asheville to Houston, but that was one move, and I cried the whole way. I was so scared. You know, she is moving all over the country to find the opportunities that fit her and the life that fits her. And I also very much so relate to the fact that when she got to a place working for a a large law firm that she just wasn't happy with anymore, she was like, first of all, I'm not putting up with this. And second of all, I'm going to do this myself. And I love that. And I can relate to that because it was very similar for me in my transition, although I went from teaching to real estate. That's not quite the same thing, but just the the overall, like, I can do this and I'm going to create my own business and I'm going to do it my way. And it's just, I just, she's so brave and I love that. And I'm grateful to that, to have a woman in my life and in this community that can be such an inspiration and so encouraging to others just by the things that she's doing every day and and brave the brave is my word that's all I got she's just that's all I think about when I think of her and I think of her podcast is brave who you got next oh man well I'm gonna have to go to Julie Peters who I love episode number six we have a very just We love the Peters. They have taken us in like we are family, which I will forever be grateful for. It makes me want to cry. We do not have blood family here, but we have created family here with Julie and, oh my gosh, her husband, her brother-in-law, sister-in-law, her daughter and son-in-law are very good friends with you and I. I mean, the Peters are just... Her grandson. Oh, the best one of all of the Peters clan. Um, I, I mean, they're just an amazing amazing people and I'm I just forever grateful for them the very first time I met Julie I was in tears I had gotten out of school and we were having a meeting because we were planning this girls night out event and I couldn't even function I had had such a terrible day at school and I was just sitting there crying and instead of judging me and being like who's that crazy girl sitting here crying at this meeting we're having she just loved on me and has never stopped and I will just always be so grateful to her for that but um I digress Julie talks about how in everything you do you respect everyone and she truly does that Julie is one of those people that just takes everybody in exhibit a uh, you and I you know her taking us in as, as family and she respects everybody and she honors them and she just brings out this beautiful side of everybody that she talks to. And she has the most wonderful energy and this huge heart. And she brings that into every single thing that she does. And I love that. And I 
And I also just think that she's so brave because she left her corporate job of however many years, 20-some-odd years, 26 years, look at you, and started a business with Arbonne International. And, I mean, Arbonne Junkie over here speaking. I mean, I love the products and I love that they do, but she is... That's so brave. It's so brave. I mean, all these people that we have interviewed, really everybody, like, took a huge leap at some point in their life to go after what they want. And Julie absolutely does that. She embodies everything that she does. She really, really, truly helps people in any way that they need. And just respect. Respect and taking people in. Those are my, those are my two things on Julie. And she just does that every day, all the time. That was a huge takeaway for me as well. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, uh, I, I didn't have that in my notes. Uh, but I do remember her saying that. And she had a story about when she was working at, at Chachi's or Chi-Chi's or whatever the restaurant <laughs> was. I forget the name of the restaurant. This is before our time in Houston. Uh, and uh, I think she was like the front of the house manager or something. And she said one of her you know colleagues or like her boss or whatever just like did not treat people well. And, um, you know, the, all the other employees just did not like that person. Um, but she was like, Hey man, we're, you know, we're all in this together. And, uh, you know, when someone needed to come in to, to work on short notice, she would give them a call and they would show up, but they would show up for her, um, uh, because she did, she demonstrated that respect and that, that mutual respect. And so, yeah, I appreciate you, you sharing that. Cause that is a really good takeaway from that. My biggest takeaway for her was it was fast forwarding to her with Arbonne. She's been doing that for like 16 years now. I think that she embodies the lifestyle that Arbonne promotes. And not to say that other people don't, uh, because we do know other people that um, you know, are, are involved with Arbonne. Uh, but she really does. She she just she lives the life. She doesn't just sell the product. She literally lives the life that Arbon promotes. Uh, she's about you know trying to find the best ways to to have the the, the diet for you, uh, putting the right products on, on your skin or you know nourishing your body in the right ways. And she talked about uh, they do a healthy living dinner. I think once a month and it's not even about trying to sell the product. Like she, you know, she, I think, I think I even said it I was like, Oh, that, that, you know, that, that's an interesting sales technique. She was like, no, it's not even a sales technique. Like, I'm not even worried about trying to sell it. I'm worried about or concerned with or focused on, we just want to educate people because we don't think that people always get their right uh, education and whether they buy the product or not, it doesn't matter. I want to know that people are getting the right education, that they are doing things that will help them be the healthiest version of themselves. And she really does. I mean, obviously we've, you know, been over to her house, you know, plenty of times and just the way that they go about, you know, Julie and her family go about their lives. It really is. It's, it's in a very healthy, positive manner. And, you know, full disclosure, we use Arbon. We use a ton of Arbon, but because we also want to be healthy we want to be the healthiest version of ourselves. And, you know, having Julie as someone that represents Arbon, we're like, yeah, oh, we totally get that. We totally buy into that because you're the person that helped to expose us to Arbon and you live it. So yeah, I'm on board. Sounds good. Speaking of Arbon, I think I need to buy some more stuff right now. Can we take a quick pause? <laughs> Just kidding. So you talk about Julie and respect and um, how people came into the restaurant for her. And I really think that it's beca- because of the impact that she has on people, which 
perfectly transitions into Bob Milner, episode number seven. Love Bob. He is, I, I don't even have words. My mouth just stopped moving. I He is so amazing. And I love listening to him talk. I love listening to his podcast. And he is all about impact. What are you doing that has an impact? And the story that he tells is the, la- the last story that he tells is oh, about. Stole mine. I'm so sorry, but it's so good. So he's sitting, and I'm not going to do it justice. You have to go back to episode seven and listen to Bob Milner tell his story. So I'm not going to do it justice. I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis. He's sitting at this diner bar every single day for lunch. It's where he goes for, what, four years every single day. And he's helping the, the employees. Grill. The Daily what? The Daily Grill. The Daily Grill. Okay, thank you. He is helping the employees with their homework for school and encouraging them in their acting careers and got to sit next to some pretty incredible um, actors. Yep, sit next to Tom Cruise. You know, and he didn't really think much of it at the time about what he was doing. He was just going to lunch there every day. And so he... He tells the story of when he was moving from California back to the Woodlands. The whole staff that had been at the Daily Grill for all of those years that he had been going, even the ones that didn't work there anymore, all showed up and surprised him for a going away party. And it really demonstrated to him the impact that he had on every single one of those people that came back just to see him. And It really, the thing that resonates with me about that too is that you just never know who you're going to meet. You never know who you're going to sit next to. And that totally speaks all the world to me and I think to us because you and I met on an airplane, which is totally crazy. And my big thing when I give my talks is to be open to the people around you and to get to know them and find out who they are and what they do because you just never know what that might lead to. And I love that. And I love how I can see Bob sitting in this diner every single day and helping everybody with anything that they needed during his lunchtime and just changing their whole life. And I think that that's so beautiful. And Bob is all about your impact. And I that's resonated with me ever since he said that. Yeah, I think his quote, I mean, I'm not going to get it completely right, but yeah, the 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 positive impact or the impact of your footprint just by doing the the consistent things. Because he, he talked about how he told that story. Um, I think I asked him a question. I was like, do you have any like silly habits or whatever? I think I shared. I was like, I always got to put my like right sock on before my left sock and whatever. And he just said, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a creature of habit. And then he... I think that just reminded him of of that time. He's like, yeah, I I always went to the daily grill, went there for lunch and man, it just after four years or however long he was in, they were in Santa Monica. um, He was leaving and just by accident, basically in his, in his mind, he just had this huge, incredible impact on people. But I think also it wasn't, it wasn't by impact or I'm sorry, it wasn't by accident because he, he is, he's interested in helping other people. He's interested, he's interested in other people. Uh, and so, I mean, we, and we know that firsthand, uh, you know, we've had a chance to, to get to know him, you know, over, over the you know, past several months. And he is, he's literally, he's very, very interested in other people. What can I do for you? Oh, you're working on that. Oh, interesting. You need to chat with this person. I think this person could, could help out. I mean, he's literally said those things to, to people and, and, and to us and to, and to people that we know. And, uh, another takeaway 
so, so since you stole mine, um, uh, <laughs> uh, another takeaway I know I remember is um, just his his thoughts and his the application on leadership. And I remember him saying when he would go into so so the majority of his career he spent at luxury auto dealerships, um, uh, help, essentially trying to help them turn around. And uh, they were they were underperforming for whatever reason, and so his job he was tasked with coming into these dealerships and saying, "Okay, what this obviously isn't reaching its fullest potential. My job is to help this dealership reach its full potential." So he would go in there, and no, he would fire people. He literally said, "Like I'm not interested in firing people. I think if people are in are, are the right people are here. They might not be in the right seats." And he said, "You know, people want to sh- they, they want to come to work. They want to come to work, and they want to do a good job. A good leader will just help them." Them do that. And, uh, when he said that, I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like literally like if the people didn't want to be there, like they, they would find somewhere else to go. They just would, they would just stop showing up. And if they are showing up, obviously they're showing up for a reason. So as you, as the leader, it's your job to, you know, polish that, polish that dime, you know, or whatever, uh, so that it can be the best that it can be. And so by him saying that, uh, I, I, I was like, yeah, that, that's an awesome way of looking at it. And, uh, if I ever had a chance, you know, if we ever had a chance to work at some place where he was later, but like, yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to episode seven with Bob Miller, that really is a really, really good episode. And I think, I mean, I, man, I think we're just, uh, we're going to have a, another podcast with everyone. <laughs> uh, I, I think I've said that. I know. I think I've said that for, for, for everyone at this point. <laughs> Let's bring them all back. Well, let's get to Mr. Josh Cherry, episode number eight. Josh is a ball of energy, and I love everything about him. And his mantra is that he is optimistically optimistic. And if you ever get a chance to hear Josh speak, please go. He is unbelievable. And, like, I've heard his talk I think five times now is the correct number. And every single time, first of all, I'm so excited to hear it. And second of all, I get something different out of it. So Josh is amazing. Go listen to him. Go listen to him talk. But do I you, love that. Do you feel like you just had a shot of espresso after you've heard us talk too? You're like, oh my God, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, do this. everything. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Josh is so like, he just pours energy into the people around him. And I love it. And I think the thing about Josh, too, that I took away is when he was talking about um, when he was in the military, he was not the strongest. He was not the fastest. And but he started reading leadership books and they he applied those principles. So his second time around, he was scoring higher. He was the top of his cat, his class, excuse me. And he was very coachable and that goes back to like what Eddie was saying about being teachable. It's the same thing. He's very coachable and when he he took on the the mindset of like if somebody ahead of him, somebody who has had more success or knows more than he does or any of those things tells him to do something, he's all in because he knows that they've been there and they've walked this road already and he really understands and embodies learning from other people, surrounding yourself with people with that are smarter than, excuse me, that are smarter than you. I just, I just think it's so awesome. And, and then the other thing that I took away too, is when him and his wife were building Delta Life Fitness and building the business behind it, he mentions that he was 
busy studying marketing while everyone else is watching Netflix or playing video games or whatever they were doing in the evening. So he's, you know, going to work, going to school, coming home and studying how to market and how to do online marketing. And as we sit here in our office late at night and are doing the same type of thing where we're still working, we're still going at it, we're not laying on the couch watching television. I'm not going to say that we don't ever do that and we don't ever need a break. I'm just saying that in general, if you want to get to where you want to go, you got to be doing things that like other people aren't willing to do and that maybe aren't necessarily like the most ideal thing to do at the time, but you know what your goals are and you're focused on that and that's what matters more than anything else. And I just think that those things are are so important. And okay, so I got more. He also is talking about how, you know, we all go through cycles as we're navigating through life and through business and through our relationships, but you can always learn something from a failure. And it's so true. And, you know, you just, as long as you learn those things and you're willing to keep going and you keep taking action, you're not just going to sit on the couch and be like, oh, I failed and, you know, nothing's working. You fail, but the next day you get up and you keep going and you keep taking action. You keep going after what you want and putting that energy out there into the world. I am so a believer in the energy that you put out there and telling the universe, I'm serious. Like, this is what I want and I am going after it. And even when it gets you down, even when things go wrong, you just keep going. You have to take a lot of action. You have to take a lot of risk. And you have to have a lot of sacrifice. Um, and those are those are my... Those are my big takeaways from from Josh. I, I, he obviously energizes me because I get so excited just talking about all the things that I learn from him every single time I talk to him. You've perked up. I have big time right now. All, all just out of nowhere because I talked about all of the things that he says. My biggest takeaways were were two things: gratitude. He talked about gratitude, and that's one of the things that he has in his in his talk in his principles of success or, or whatever the, the whatever the title. Well, know. his title is optimistically optimistic, but right? Then he's got all of the rules that go along with that. Sure, sure, and one of them is and one of them is gratitude, and the another one I don't know if he it's actually the title of it, but he always talks about in ten years. He still wants to be involved with his company, but he knows in 10 years where the company is going to be, he is not there yet. And so he knows that he has to do everything that he can be to be the leader that that company needs in 10 years, that the leader need that, that the leader that the company needs in a year, that the, the type of leader that the company needs in the next 10 minutes. And it's not the person that he is today. So he always has to constantly be trying to change and improve and find ways that he can be better and find ways that he can challenge the company and the challenge and the company is going to challenge him and challenge the employees. And the employees are going to challenge him and their clients are going to challenge them. And so that was a really awesome way of looking at that and, and saying, look, just because you read a book or just because you had this success up until this point doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do that in 10 years. And, uh, you know, certainly there's a book that, that you and I both have read is that what you, what got you here won't get you there. And that almost is like the embodiment of it. Like, Hey man, that's awesome. You are successful. Delta life fitness is incredibly successful. He was an incredibly successful Marine. He was there for 14 years. He you know enlisted uh, and then ultimately became an officer super successful. He's like, man, that means nothing now. You know, it's what am I going to do over the next 14 years? What am I going to do over the next 14 months? What am I going to do over the next, you know, 14 days, 14 minutes? 
And uh, that was really awesome. But then going back to gratitude, I think uh, when he mentioned that, um, I can't remember what the, for us, me and you, what the time was or, or what the, um, the thing that we were exposed to. But I, I do remember it was like a TED Talk or something about gratitude. And it was like almost like a challenge. Like, okay, be, be, you know, be thankful for the things you have in your life, you know, and like, you don't have to be like, like, like silly about it. Like, I'm, I'm glad, you know, my jeans are blue today. You know, not that, but just like, look, I, I wake up and I'm glad that I'm awake. I'm glad that I have a chance to be alive today because I have a, an opportunity to be, to make a positive impact in, in people's lives and in my life and my wife's life and you know, whatever. And, and literally it, it's a game changer. It's at least for me. Uh, and I would hope people that would practice, literally practice the art or the, the you know, whatever, the, the act, I should say, not the art, the act of, of gratitude. It does. It changes you. It changes like, man, yeah, you know what? It is awesome. It's, and it doesn't mean being satisfied and just being, you know, kicking up your feet. Like, you know, I'm just glad I can, you know, pay my bills and you know, keep the lights on. I don't, you know, I don't really need to work hard. That's not what it's about. It's about, no, I want to continue to work hard. I'm thankful for where I am. But I know where I need to be. I'm not there yet, and um, so yeah, having the, the the act of of gratitude is is really awesome too. And I know that there's some books that we've read uh, that, that that talk about that. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but yeah, the gratitude is is huge. Gratitude is huge. I want to go to Frank Gray, our episode number nine podcast guest, and. Frank is one of the people that from the very beginning just took me in. He believed in me, believed in what I was going to do with Everson Cooper, and was just so supportive. And now that I know more about Frank and I know more about where he came from, I realized that it's because he started things from scratch too, and he's been there and he knows how amazing it is when you've gotten to a place where the thing that you've created like is actually producing it's actually happening it's actually making a difference and so something that Frank shared that I just think is incredible is how low his lowest low was and you know filing for bankruptcy what 10 years ago is something that I mean (laughs) so many people really when you look at the the most successful and the people in this in this world so many of them have gotten to bankruptcy and it's kind of shocking but i think it's also because those people are taking great risk and they're going after great opportunity and at the end of the day not everything works out and that's okay because every single one of those people and frank is a beautiful uh, I, i lost my word a beautiful example of that that you can take that and turn it into something incredible. And now he has his own mortgage, or I'm sorry, excuse me, his own real estate brokerage company, Abbey Realty. He has over 130 agents in less than a year on his team, which is unreal. And he is just taken over. I mean, it's amazing. And it's so much of that is because of Frank and who Frank is and the support, the love, the encouragement that he provides to his agent. 
to his agents, excuse me, the education that he gives to them, the support that he gives to the community and his vendor partners. And he just gives so much of himself, so much of his time, so much of his energy to the people that he works with that it all, all it does is attract people to him. And people are just like clawing at the doors to be on Frank's, you know, one of Frank's Abbey Realty agents. And I think it's incredible. And I love what he's doing. I love all of his agents. They he just he just attracts these amazing, hardworking, resilient people that are gonna go out there and make a difference for all the families that they help. And I I think that's incredible. And that's all a testament to Frank and his outlook and his his action that he takes and the things that he does for people. The title of his podcast is Your either great or you're going to be. And my biggest takeaway is like, is him being humbly confident. Um, and, and, and that's a key, the two key words to be, to put together is I, I think one for someone, if you want, if you have a leader and someone who essentially needs to be the rainmaker for a brokerage, you want them to be confident because if you're an agent, you want that per- you want to know that, that person is going to come through. That person has been there. That person is going to make it happen. But I think also part of the reason you touched on this, part of the reason why so many people have come to his brokerage isn't because he's like, "Oh, we're going to make it rain. It's going to be awesome." It's just like, "Look, we're going to take care of you." Uh, and I think he he said um, he doesn't judge your ambition, whether it's someone who's winding down their career. And they just want to do one deal, you know, a month. They just want to kind of stay in the game and, and stay busy. Or they're the person that's just fresh in and they're just wanting to just tear it up. They just want to grow. He said, whatever your ambition is, whatever your goals are, it's my job to help you. And that literally is like, the that that is the articulation, in my opinion, of someone being humbly confident. He He's confident that he can get it done. Whether your ambition is to do seven figures of commission a year or whether your goal is to just do a couple thousand a month, he's he's humble enough to say, "Look, I'm here to help you do whatever it is," and he's confident enough to say, "I have the I have the expertise, I have the experience, I have the capability to help you accomplish that because I've done that myself." So that was my biggest takeaway: is Frank, and it's all about his demeanor too. If you have the opportunity to meet him face to face. Uh, and have a chance to talk with him. I think you would you would take that away from your from 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 your talk uh, that that he's incredibly humble. He's very very down to earth, but he's also very very successful. He's been to uh, a very low place. He had literally had to after he was a mil- after he was a millionaire uh, in, in in his investments had to file for bankruptcy. That if that doesn't humble you, it certainly will. But at the same time, now, oh, 10 years later, even well, even quicker than that, I mean, he bounced back. He recovered because I don't ever think he lost his confidence in that. And so having that together, him being humbly confident is awesome. So that, that was uh, episode nine, Frank Gray. Yeah, it was great. The next episode with Jackie and Christine Battle, episode 10. Oh, man. Was so beautiful. That was our first duo, yep. which was so much fun. First I, one on site. Yes, it was on site, which was invited us to their house. so generous of them to have us come over and take some time to just let us talk to them. I think their kids had some cameos in the their background. Their kids <laughs> did have some cameos. They were so oh, cute, awesome. so sweet. I just loved hanging out with them. I felt like I could have 
sat there all night long and just yeah. talked to them and gotten to know them more and their story and their heart and their mission for their life, for their business. It's unbelievable. But my favorite, favorite thing about everything that Jackie and Christine have learned through Jackie's time in football and are continuing to do through philanthropy, their beautiful store here in the Woodlands, is persistence. So I love that you, Andy, brought up that he was an undrafted free agent. And I don't, I mean, to me, that doesn't really mean a whole heck of a lot, except I understand that that means that nobody picked him, but he was able to walk onto a team and through his persistence and him making himself so valuable to the team that if he left, they'd have to take three people to replace him because he wanted to learn every position, every play, everything that he needed to be valuable wherever the team needed him. And so his persistence and his desire to provide value to the entire team is 100% what made him so incredibly successful and to be successful in the NFL for eight years and what's continuing to help them be successful in their business with philanthropy. They are persistent and they are adding value to other organizations in our community that are, you know, supporting needs for people that we have around us. And I just, oh my gosh, I loved them. I loved their story. And I, I loved his persistence and, and and the way that Christine is just so supportive and so su- encouraging of him. And then he turned around and did the same thing for her when they started philanthropy. And I love that. Two things that I took away was, and, and you touched on this, he, he said his quote was, he tried to make himself uncuttable from the mm-hmm. NFL because he, he was on the practice squad his first two years in the NFL. And, and he talks about this in the podcast and kind of gives some context to it. So if anyone doesn't understand uh, you know the National Football League, you have, I mean, with the exception of guys like Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers and whatever, I mean, guys, if, if you're you know, not the you know, Pro Bowl MVP quarterback, you literally could walk in there on a Tuesday and, like, and your locker is cleaned out. I mean, it, and, 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 and you don't have a guaranteed contract either. Uh, you know, like NBA and uh, Major League Baseball, you sign a contract and if it's seven years, you know, 50 million, you get 50 million regardless. In the NFL, no. Like it's you're it's done. It's like you know it's like almost any other job. Like no, you don't you know you don't get a severance. You're like that's it. You're done. And so him realizing that he utilized every opportunity, like you said, uh, to to make himself uncuttable because he realized that he was he was a commodity. He was not you know the starting quarterback. He was not this MVP candidate. But it was his career. He was like, look, this is this is what I'm doing. This is my career. So I need to find out every way that I can make myself the most valuable that I can. And, I mean, it really is uh, awesome. And and I knew, I, I knew somewhat of his story. Uh, and so we kind of, you know, brought that up. But then him talking about it even more, uh, me knowing about football, me knowing kind of, you know, the, the little bit of the background of, of how, you know, the, the, you know, the inner works of the NFL, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that he was in the NFL for eight years. Eight years, and, and for those listening, eight years in the NFL, again, if you're not Tom Brady or you know a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, eight years in the NFL, that's a long career. That is a long career. I think he mentioned that running backs, he was a running back. The average running back career is 2.4 years. He was a running back, and he was in the NFL for eight years. So 
more than three times the uh, the average career. So just keep that in context. And the other thing also was that he talked about uh, in the offseason. The NFL actually has a relatively long offseason. You, know, you have like six months where you're not playing games. And you're still having to train. You still have some you know periodic practices. But uh, the NFL afforded opportunities for him to go and do classes uh, at uh, the University of Pennsylvania at Wharton Business School. And for I, I think a lot of our listeners probably know Wharton Business School is like one of the best in the world. And so for him to, for anyone, not, not just not him, anyone, to be able to do, to take classes and learn from professors and, and people at the Wharton Business School is awesome. And when he, and so he said every offseason, the NFL opens up opportunities for, for you to have professional development. And he was like, look, man. I might be, I might get cut on the first Tuesday of the season. So in the off season, I'm going to be there doing everything that I can to help figure out what I'm going to do after football. And so listening to the things that he did in the off season, uh, you know, he could have easily, you know, people that, you know, being in the NFL after a couple of years, you make really good money. You can kick up your feet, go buy a boat and hang out on a lake for a couple of months and then go train before the season starts. He could have easily done that. And no one would have blamed him. But he was going to Wharton Business School. He was in professional development. He was trying to figure out what he was going to do after football. And I think it's a huge testament to them now having this very, very successful business with philanthropy after football. And they took a year off and really just kind of like reflected on what they were wanting to do. Uh, and then they, they got into this business now. And also, I mean, they're, they're also incredible people of faith. And so I think that's a big testament to what they do, too. So if you have a chance, uh, that's episode 10, uh, Jackie and Christine Battle. Uh, we, uh, Elizabeth and I actually were invited out to their house. Uh, so we, we recorded that podcast on site. And we actually had to drive separately. Both Elizabeth and I had uh, you know meetings and whatever out and about that day. And so we drove separately. And uh, I hate to say it, but we were texting when we were driving on the way back. And we after we recorded, and we're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Like our hearts literally were like filled with goodness after that podcast. And so I, if you've listened to that podcast, we certainly hope that y'all had just half of the feeling that Elizabeth and I had. And if you go back and listen to it, if you haven't listened to it, please do. Uh, they have so much to offer. Uh, if you have an opportunity to talk, to stop into their store of philanthropy, please go, go do that. You don't have to buy anything. Just go there and stop in and say hello and just, you know, show your support. Cause uh, they're very much, they're very much supportive of, of the community as well. Yeah. They're incredible. They're so wonderful. So Mary Anderson, guest number 11 or podcast episode number 11 she is just an incredible human being i love mary so much and all the things that she does for our community but i think that she is just such a strong brave like well-intentioned well put together mama and entrepreneur so mompreneur I learned so much from her, and I just am just so grateful for her and for her friendship and the time that she spent with us and and all the things that she shared. And I think the biggest thing for me with Mary is the way that she really wants to honor 
people's feelings and she really validates that like your feelings are valid what's going on here where are they coming from and and she does that with her son she does that with her business partner she does that with her employees she does that with her friends she has said that to me before I mean I've called her you know crying about some situation and she's like your feelings are valid and she just really honors and respects people and then helps them navigate through that, helps them come up with a solution. And that is so crucial. She's not going to let you sit and wallow in your situation. She's going to help you navigate through that and really be productive and strategic about it all. And I just... She's so she's such a unique person in a beautiful way, and I love her. I love her outlook, and um, I only hope that she could raise our kids when we have them because she's an amazing mother. Maybe we could pay her. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> her parenting style was really, really interesting, unorthodox, um, but I think really awesome at the same time because – uh, you know, I think she has a different approach to parenting and she's, you know, she shared that. I mean, she essentially said, you know, she's a co-parent, uh, you know, her and, um, you know, her son's dad, I mean, they're not married, but I mean, they make it work. And it sounds like what the situation they have is just awesome. And essentially like her being a mom with her son, it's not a mom son relationship. It's like a teammate relationship. You know, she's trying to be the best mom that she can be. She's trying to be the best person, best business owner that she can be. Meanwhile, she's responsible for her son being the best, you know, being the best young man that he can be, being the best version of himself. And, you know, she's going to learn things from him and he's going to learn things from her. And really, like, my biggest takeaway was, like, it's it's a teammate kind of thing. You know, every day. Uh, and she even mentioned that, um, you know, there would be times where, you know, she's like working late or was on her phone or whatever. And her, and her son would be like, Hey mom, I think you've spent too much time on your phone. And she's like, Oh dude, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Like three more minutes, uh, you know, hold, thank you for holding me accountable. Three more minutes. Let me finish this up and I'm done. And I think that's pretty rare. I mean, obviously we, you know, we're not parents at, at the time of recording. Um, but, uh, for her to be able to do that, being, being a single parent, being a business owner, uh, not having her hair on fire every single day. Uh, you know, literally, you know, and she's very, very purposeful about this stuff too. Like it doesn't seem like she's making this up on the run. I mean, she, it seems like she's the type of person, you know, from, from her podcast that she wakes up and like, look, this is what we're going to do today. Here's the goals. And her son, I think her son probably could say the same thing. He'll wake up like, yep, this is what we're going to do today. Here are our goals. Okay. Awesome. Let's get it done. No, it's really incredible. I there's so much to learn from her, and I, she is she's an incredible mom, and the things that she's doing for her son are, are life changing, and they're she's instilling some really incredible habits, from the get go, and I love that. Speaking of being awesome parents, Donald and Zanith Thompson, uh, episode number twelve, magic number twelve. That was our second duo interview, which was so much fun. And we totally got to eat dinner with them afterwards, which was also super fun. We could have also hung out with them all night. They are amazing. They're wonderful people. They have a really neat morning routine. That's my favorite. So they get up and get their kids ready for school, bring the kids to school, and then 
they sit down and they have breakfast together and they're going to talk about their day. They're going to talk about their business. And then sometimes Xanath says, Donald, I need my husband for a second. And they talk about their relationship or them personally or their kids and they don't talk about business. And I just love that time that they carve out in their life every single day to plan their day, to, you know, have good conversations about their business or sometimes just get to the personal stuff and sort through whatever needs to be talked about or or grow together and that is such a unique thing I know for me it's very hard to slow down like I get up in the morning and I'm very slow to rise but once I'm awake and I'm doing things like I'm going and it's time to work and I think it's neat that they take the time to slow down and be together and tackle their business their life and their relationship and I love that yeah, and, and one of the things that we talked about was they are a dual example uh, for their kids. Uh, not only are they parents, obviously, for their kids, but they also are working together and their kids see that. And so their kids see them dually, uh, their their relationship essentially like like doubled over. You know, it, it's mom and dad, but then it's also business owner and business owner, leader and leader uh, within the business. And so... Um, I think that also exposes how you actually work, you know, because not every kid sees how their parents go to work, you know. And so, you know, they, they said that they do a lot of, of work at home, uh, you know, and so they'll be working before dinner. They'll be working after dinner, or, you know, whatever. They'll be working before breakfast or whatever. And so their kids will see how they interact as as coworkers as well. And so for them to... Uh, have have that dual example. I think is is um, and be awesome examples is is really great. My biggest thing is also that they uh, Donald threw out the statistic that they were ninety nine percent referral. Wow. And for us uh, with Everson Cooper being us being in real estate, I mean, we just did the exercise you know a month or so ago, and we realized that like more than sixty percent of our you know, deals or, or whatever comes from referrals. And we we're like, oh my gosh, that's a ton. And for their company, for Donald and Zanath, that their company is 99% referral. I mean, I think one that's also a testament and not that they only do like, you know, two or three deals. And so, yeah, oh yeah, 99%. I mean, they do a ton of deals. I mean, they're very, very successful. Um, and so it shows how much they invest in people. It shows how much they really are genuine to people and that people give them referrals and give them referrals again and again and again. Um, and it's not a, Oh, I'm only interested in you because you're going to give me a referral. And, and I mean, I, they both talked about this. It's, it, it's not about that. It's about that. They, the reason that they're in this business is because they love people because they are interested in people because they want to just help people. And if they give them a referral, it's a byproduct of it. Um, and so to have that statistic that they're 99% referrals and they're incredibly successful shows how much that they do care about people, how much that they are invested in people, but then also how much the, that they work, how much that the people they work with are invested in them. And so I think that's, that's just awesome. That's something that I think all of us could learn from is just how invested that they are in people, how much they take an interest and, um, how much they're, uh, how much they try they try to do to enrich you know the company or I'm sorry not the company the community. Yeah, no, for sure. We definitely have a podcast filled with some incredible people. 
I it is such an honor that we were able to spend time with each and every one of them. I kind of can't believe it, actually, that they came over and and hung out with us and shared their stories of grit and perseverance and success. And I'm so grateful for each and every one of them. And I can only hope that all of our listeners got even half of what we got out of these conversations. I hope that you will visit our website and see more about each of these individual people. You can get connected with them personally via some links on our site. And then, of course, continue to listen to our podcast. So we are at 12. This recap is episode 13, and we've got some amazing podcast guests coming up in the coming weeks. So we are super excited for that. We are. (laughs) We are. Thank you so much for joining us. We love all of you. We're so grateful to you. If you want to leave us a review or ask us any questions, you can hashtag AskESCPodcast or you can email Elizabeth at EversonCooper.com with a title of AskESCPodcast. We want to hear from you. We want to know how we can serve you, what you want to hear about, who you want to hear from. So reach out to us. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.